0: Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay podcast network. I'm your host, Brett Rutherford, and joining me on this week's episode, it's the managing editor of d Danny Russell. Danny, what's going on, man? Oh, it's a beautiful day because uh, my softball team was playing on a day that the Rays
1: were not. So, number one, I'm missing no baseball. Number two, my softball team won big, 30-4. to I'm writing some really good vibes right now so i'm excited to talk about a race team that's maybe falling apart what did
0: the danny russell stat line look like tonight oh i was the pitcher okay uh is it like and... pitch to your own team, slow pitch or it is
1: not it is not you okay. do pitch to the other team uh the other team does get to call their own balls and strikes though so that can that can be controversial um I did have a couple strikeouts, which is rare in very <laughs> slow pitch softball. Uh, so that always feels good. But um, uh, we were up so big, I did actually start switch hitting at one point, uh, just to have some fun with it. Easy single over the uh, the shortstop's head. So
0: he pulled the old Anthony Rendon hitting a home run left handed uh, in a blowout. I uh, I've played before the one re- the s- slow pitch where you pitch to your own team, uh, and I've been the pitcher when you you can be the most hated person on your team if you just don't have it that night. And you're oh, not sure. feeding the meatballs, but uh, we'll get we'll get off the softball diamond, move back over to the baseball diamond. And uh, Shane Boz is back in the rotation. Uh, he missed sure. the first few months due to injury. But after three or four starts in Triple A Durham, he's back in the big league rotation. And for two innings, looked great in Minnesota in a game against the Twins. Uh, and then things kind of just fell apart in the third. Uh, but first start back, really any reason to worry here, Danny? None whatsoever. Um, he
1: ran into some walks in his his first start back. Uh, I'm not going to blink at his uh, 19 ERA. <laughs> uh, I'm not too worried about it. He's just getting his feet wet again. It's it's a thrill to have him back.
0: Well, what was great about that game is like I don't think the Twins scored any more runs after he left. Like they might have got one more. It was a six to five game. Like the Rays came back and almost almost had a chance to win. The one thing I'll say about Shane Baz and I think we saw it like. Literally in the first inning of his start in the postseason last year against Boston, uh, it is very clear when Shane Boz just has lost his command for that game. Uh, hmm. You know, you saw in the third inning, it's like he just could not find the strike And I know there were a couple questionable calls, and then Luis Arias, the the king of singles, hits a grand slam, um, and and so you know, unfortunate. Uh, but uh, it, I, I th- I'm choosing to just focus on the great stuff we saw in the first two innings he was painting both corners with the fastball that got up to 99 and we know he might have the most electric stuff on this team. And that's also including Shane McClanahan who we'll talk about in a little bit, but the Rays get him back in the rotation. It led to the demotion of Ryan Yarbrough. What were your thoughts on seeing uh, Yarbrough get sent down?
1: I do want to make sure we finish talking about Shane Boss, but um, for Ryan Yarbrough, number one, your gut at any time, a long standing player of the roster has to be optioned uh, in the best interest of the team. That hurts. I mean, he's a vet, he's going through arbitration, he's been around for a while. And on a human level, I absolutely hated that for Ryan Yarbrough. From a baseball move perspective, thank God, because it was not working out for him. Uh, the velocity was back, quote unquote. Um, as a soft tossing lefty who's you know sitting around 85 86 um, but the results were not back and I don't I haven't really dug deep on what's wrong with Ryan Yarbrough just because um, I I don't really want to know very I'm I'm lacking curiosity on it if I'm being honest I don't know if you have any numbers in front of you Brett but uh, at this point just watching him it was uh, it felt uh, cringeworthy (laughs) <laughs> and i want him to get right and i think the best opportunity for him to get right is to really go work on it and focus instead of um getting feasted upon by major league hitters
0: it, it's with ryan Yarbrough. whenever things are not going well it's always cringeworthy like he looks so no offense to ryan Yarbrough, but he looks Mm-mm. like helpless when he's out there and it just doesn't have it that night or a team is just really dialed in on his stuff and is is teeing off on him. He just looks like he's got no confidence on the mound. The games last an extra like half hour, uh, and it's no fun for anybody. Um, He's a guy that I still think is like a league average pitcher and a very good pitcher to have. Um, But these last couple years, it's just kind of gone off the rails, and I don't know if we're ever going to get back to where we were. Again, a nice guy to have. But, I mean, he's in his second year of arbitration. I just don't see much of a future for him with with the big league club. I don't know about that. I I always want to
1: make room, you know, if he goes back and works with Rick Knapp and and kind of gets his head right and comes back. I don't want to ever say that. Also, um, Ryan Yarbrough has a lot of value in his ability to absorb innings. (laughs) So I I certainly would welcome that, (laughs) given the state of the bullpen. The Rays are rolling with a three-man bench right now constantly because of all the arms they need in the bullpen and I'm sure we'll get to the bullpen later so if Ryan Yarbrough can get healthy or or get his stuff back I'm not exactly sure what's wrong forgive me dear listener um I I'm just more excited about um the return of Shane Boss and the fact that we can give up on the placeholder that was holding down the spot in the rotation for him what are your expectations for Shane Boss this season Uh, slowly build your innings up and don't feel like you have to pitch a complete game. The beauty of Shane Boz having that elbow surgery at the beginning of the year to take care of some loose bodies, which is very normal uh, for pitchers at this point. um, A little bone spur or whatever separates out in the elbow because of the high stress. You go in there, you take it out, you miss a month. Shane Boz has very few innings on his arm. In what well, I mean, uh, has he ever pitched more than 80 innings in a year? I think maybe.
0: I think technically, last year, if you include the Olympics and the postseason, we oh, only threw a couple in the postseason.
1: Um, Hold on, dude. Here's his stats in 2019, he threw 81.1 innings <laughs> for the year. 80 80 innings is not a lot. And the Rays were going into a season where you were going to need, you have no Tyler Glass now. You need the quality of Shane Boss to step into the role. And that is not humanly possible. He was not going to be able to suddenly become a star starting pitcher who can last the whole season, but he needed a very minor surgery. He recovers from that. Great. He makes four starts in Durham. He's looking healthy. He's looking awesome. You promote him. And now you slowly start building up again. And hopefully he's 23 years old. As a prospect, there was a ton of reliever risk on that kind of profile because you're concerned about his ability to go deep in games. So don't worry about going deep in games. Build confidence. Get your stuff right. I mean, we saw inning three is when he fell apart this time. Okay, let's go out there and let's try it again. And let's take the pressure off of Shane Boss to be the guy and let him get his opportunities. That's
0: my expectations for Shane Boss taking this a little big picture, looking at the rotation, and we mentioned Ryan Yarbrough, maybe there is an opportunity for him. Could you see the Rays, or I I guess I'll ask you, how are the Rays going to manage the innings of this starting rotation? Not only do you have Shane Boz, you've got Shane McClanahan, who hasn't thrown a whole lot of innings in his career in a single season, who's third in the American League right now in innings pitched, and he is maybe the favorite to win the Cy Young. You've got Corey Kluber, who's an old man, coming off multiple, you know, consecutive uh, injury seasons, right? Seasons Mm -hmm. where he's dealt with a number of different things. And you've got Jeffrey Springs and Drew (laughs) Rasmussen who are brand new to starting.
1: Yeah, I love this so much, dude. I'm so excited to talk about Jeffrey Springs a little bit more. I'm absolutely thrilled by him and (laughs) the performance he's putting up in the rotation. I called Yarbrough the placeholder. He was not Jeffrey Springs stepping into the rotation was the real placeholder, but then he earned his keep. But we need to finish talking about Shane Paz. So keep going.
0: Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, what do you, what do you do with, how do you control these guys innings, especially with the amount of injuries you're dealing with on the reliever side of things? How, how do you keep these guys from getting anywhere near 200 innings? Cause oh, some of them are on pace for it right now. I mean, so the first answer
1: is you get Luis Patino back. And then you, you roll into a six man rotation. Can the Rays keep up a six man rotation for, you know, the, the second half of the season, basically, I hope so. Luis Patino is out with an oblique strain. So I have high confidence that he's going to be able to recover, that he can rejoin the rotation. And we saw his quality last year and his ability to perform as a starter, despite being uh, what, 21 or 22 at the time, something ridiculously young, like Shane Boz. He was doing the work and he's been out since the beginning of April. You get Luis Patino back and you can, get into a six-man rotation, and then your concerns about former relievers, Springs and Rasmussen, and then prospects, McClanahan and Springs, and injury risk, Kluber, getting a little bit more rest built into their rotations and not having to shoulder as many innings throughout the season. And then if you can play with those kind of dates and and stretch out the amount of time between their games – is it a surefire win no there's a reason that over 125 years that pitchers through every five days at this point right that's a normal rest and I, I don't know if it's the best idea but i think it might be the race best option
0: and there will be injuries i mean i hate to say it but Mm-mm. the guys in the rotation right now there's going to be il stints and you hope they're short ones and you hope they're maybe phantom il stints to give guys like shane mcclanahan a break i hope he doesn't go on the il i need to make that clear Um, But you got Luis Pacino, like you said, he is in the complex league, which just got underway last week. Um, I think the plan is for him to get to Durham in the near future. The other name that could be looking at a return to the rotation this season, Hmm. and I am still very skeptical that this is something that will happen Is Tyler Glass now?
1: No, no, no. As an opener, maybe. I cannot imagine the race putting him in a position to absorb innings.
0: No, no, I don't think so. Uh, But when you get into like September, you get him pitching three to four innings at the big league level. And then you move into October. Maybe he resembles somewhat of a traditional starter by then. Uh, But also, I mean, when he first came up, and I didn't believe that Tyler Glass now even was a starting pitcher. I said he was going to be a back-end guy. So maybe we get Tyler Glass now, the reliever this year, if he comes back.
1: I think a reliever makes a whole lot more sense. And a reliever might be way more necessary uh, given the race depth uh, depth chart in the, in the bullpen right now, which, again, I think we should save for later. Yeah. Um, I would not count any chickens with Tyler Glass. Now there's a non-zero chance, you know, the recovery is just kind of going weird and he's not able to return this year. Yeah. I, you just cannot count on Tyler Glasnow appearing. But if he does, good news, you can demote, I don't know,
0: Luke Bard. <laughs> Luke Bard might be the best pitcher left in that bullpen. And again, we'll talk about that later. Um, uh, Jeffrey Springs. Talk, talk to me about Jeffrey Springs and what a what a, a revelation that has been, maybe even more so than the, the Drew Rasmussen, his, his turn to become a starter last year.
1: Dude, I'm in I'm absolutely in love with Jeffrey Springs as a starter. Um, he had the quality when he was acquired. I absolutely loved the trade at the time. And that's because I firmly believed in what the race could potentially do with this stuff. Now he's coming from a smart front office. He's coming from Boston. Uh, and he also had a killer strikeout rate. He was striking out, you know, more than 12 per nine, which is good for, you know, w- once he Came with a raise, you got that right, and he's got a 35% strikeout rate last year. That's a fantastic performance as a reliever. The Rays play with him a little bit more this year, and you really simplify his approach. You got the forcing fastball, he's a lefty, right? Forcing fastball, if you can throw it, it can play. You know, we saw that with Yarbrough, he's sitting 92, you might as well think of that as being like 94, 95. A forcing fastball will play no matter what, and we know he can throw a raised fastball. Great. You play with the changeup and you play with the breaking ball and you maybe even add some variation with that slider too. you know, a la any of your favorite slider pitchers over the years, you can, you know, slow it down to 80 and dial it up to 90 somewhere in between. Uh, I don't want to say it's as distinct as like that Chris Archer. I have two distinct breaking balls, but his depth has a whole bunch of variation on how hard he's throwing it, which is great but also it's tighter and it's moving in the complete opposite direction though of his changeup, which is all of a sudden deeper. And so you have a more dynamic changeup. You have a tighter slider and an ability to play with the slider in a whole lot of different ways. And all of a sudden you have a very complex and interesting starting pitcher. And he becomes a starting pitcher because you just say, that was awesome. Can you do it again? (laughs) Like what's keeping Jeffrey Springs from being uh, a member of the rotation. What a brilliant idea. I don't know who in the front office came up with that. We should ask, or I should make Mark Topkin go ask. I don't know. But someone had a brilliant idea to just say, hey, can you just keep on pitching? And he was like, yeah, I think I can. And now the Rays just writing out what feels like a miracle to me. He's got a 1.45 ERA. His FIP is a 3.16. This is a phenomenal pitching performance that
0: we're getting out of Jeffrey Springs. I love it and now i'm wondering who else can become a starter anybody else want to go four or five innings every time out I, I don't know uh like jalen beaks could we see jalen beaks become a starter again if needed uh I, I, his usage has been a little weird um but yeah jeffrey spring has been a ton of fun um and and yeah six man can, can i
1: throw out there calvin fauché can he be the next springs next year maybe uh
0: who knows i mean at this point it wouldn't shock me if the Rays work their magic and turn Matt Whistler into a starter. I'm I'm kidding. That one's he's got no chance. Um, but hmm. um, looking at the way this season has gone, um, the Rays are in third place right now. But the one shining spot—well, they played great. But if we're talking about individual performances, the one shining spot I think has been Shane McClanahan. There's a very good chance he is the Rays' only All Star. They'll probably get one more, one or two others. No, in there. only you think he's the only uh, one. Darby and I kind of talked about it. It's like, uh, maybe Andy Diaz, maybe Gio. Oh, Manchoy. wait!
1: I just showed myself for not listening to the Darby pod. Oh
0: no! <laughs> oh no! I'm sorry, Darby. Uh, but Shane McClanahan is a for sure All Star at this point. Is he the favorite to win the American League Cy Young?
1: I, I, I refuse to play that game. In June, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: I, I understand because last year we were saying the same uh, thing okay, fine Tyler, uh, Tyler
1: Glass. Now, so no, it'll be a Yankee.
0: It could. I mean, nasty Nestor.
1: Nasty Nestor. Uh, does he still have the best ERA in the rotation? I know Garrett Cole has the worst ERA in the Yankees' rotation. The Yankees' rotation is playing lights out. So, yeah
0: so but they like could split votes. You know, you get like a N- Nestor Cortez and a surging Garrett Cole. All of a sudden, they're splitting votes and. Here comes Shane McClanahan to be the third-raised left-handed pitcher to win a Cy Young award. I, I I think the path is there.
1: That would be ridiculous. Um, Man, I can't believe – wait, 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 wait. No, hold on. Hold on. Jeffrey Springs for Cy
0: Young. Why not? Uh, I mean, hey, I'm down. If I had a vote, he might – Dude might is 97th
1: allowed. percentile in chase rate. Uh,
0: it, it is nothing short of incredible.
1: He is uh, .243, so 243 Woba allowed. Isn't the top ten percent? I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't. Is 1.45 ERA sustainable? Maybe not. Uh, I think he's better though than the performance that he's put. In. That's I, I'm back to Jeffrey Springs. What we have seen out of Jeffrey Springs is not his best self. That's my biggest takeaway to, for you because I, he's got a a 220 WOBA allowed to right-handed hitters, and as a lefty, he's got a 311 WOBA allowed to left-handed hitters. He is underperforming against the same hand. He's better than the results that he's allowed. I'm sorry. I'm still in love with Jeffrey Springs. That was the only other fun facts that I had for you on Jeffrey.
0: I mean, speaking of Jeffrey Springs, I just looked up Ronaldo Hernandez, who's got an OBP less than lower than 300 in AAA. So the Rays were able to turn Ronaldo Hernandez into what looks to be a, a, a really good major league starting pitcher uh, for the people you gotta, that were kind you of unsure give about that trade something. at that time. Uh, It it seems to be paying off. Um, I mean, Shane McClanahan, it's been a while since I think this might be your first raise your voice appearance of 2022, at least during the season. Really? During the season. Yes, I believe so. Um, So talk to me about Shane McClanahan and kind of like the the, his curveball has become maybe his best pitch. It might be one of the best pitches in all of baseball. Um, And he has become a true ace at a very young age. Uh, We saw, I think you know, spark to that last year, but he's really kind of blossomed this year. We mentioned he could, he's going to be an all-star potential to be in the Cy Young race. I'll say that. Uh, But how, how huge has that been, especially in a season without Tyler Glass now?
1: It's interesting because I don't think the Rays really distinguish the difference between a curveball and a slider very much. Like if you, if you go call Kyle Snyder or or walk up to the clubhouse and you say, Hey, can I talk to you about Shane McClanahan's curveball? or can I talk to you about his slider? He's going to use the word breaking ball back to you. The Rays very rarely fully on distinguish the difference between a curveball and a slider. With that said, they're completely different movements. <laughs> they are very, very distinct pitches. And so that's what I think makes it very interesting. It is a true curveball um, by comparison where the slider is definitely the sweeping movement. So um, yeah. Lean into it. Last year, his slider was his most used secondary pitch, and now his slider is his least used secondary pitch. I think it's a interesting transformation.
0: I think the curveball and the way it moves, and I, I guess I could look up the numbers to try and back this up. It helps him really attack right-handed hitters. Uh, it, it it goes well with the fastball, which he throws it really hard, and it's had a history of being hit really hard. Um, I just keep It's videos. just Blake Snow. It's
1: Blake Snow all over again.
0: Very similar, yeah. I mean, like the, with a the harder fastball, um, Blake Snell couldn't crank it up to ninety nine. Uh, but I, I go back to like seeing the fastball, the 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 video of Rafael Devers hitting the home run in the ALDS, just kind of replays in my mind. Um, hmm. But McClanahan, with the curveball and the slider and the changeup, is then able to you know not use that fastball as much which makes it, I think, more effective. When he was like, fastball, slider, you know, mix in a change up to right-handed hitters, that fastball was going to get, you know, crushed if somebody squared it up. Uh, but this year, he's able to really, I think, having all four pitches, having them work as well as they have been, that's been the the difference for Shane McClanahan in 2022.
1: I mean, I wouldn't hate it if he just never threw the slider again at this point.
0: Yeah, it's it's nice to have in the back pocket.
1: Yeah, it's variation. I get it. You know, you got to have that fourth pitch. They have to you see it often enough that they think that it might be coming. But
0: at this stage, you don't even need it anymore. It's fantastic. I don't think so. And I think there's a chance, like, the curveball is the, the best in the game um, for starting pitchers. Um, and sure, yeah, very, very much like, like, if you just remember Blake Snell's curveball in that Scion year, 2018. Like, it was unhittable. He was able to throw it for strikes, he was getting whiffs. And that's why he won a Cy Young. So, like I said, Danny, the recipe's there. Like, the path is there for Shane McClanahan to win some hardware this year. Got to stay healthy. Got to keep it up. There's a lot of other great pitchers in this league. But I-, I like his chances sitting where we are in the middle of June right now. No, I mean, fastball, curveball. It's great. Any other thoughts on the on the starting rotation?
1: I mean, I'm excited that uh, the rotation's kind of lining up well for the Yankees series. <laughs>
0: but the same thing the yankees it doesn't matter who they like any any of their five right now and and you're you're in trouble i know but kluber mcclanahan rasmussen
1: are the three lined up for the yankees and that's the three best performing race starters so i'll take that i'm excited about it
0: well we'll talk a little bit about that yankee series on the other side of this quick break And we're back on Raise Your Voice. The Rays are off tonight, the night we're recording, and they are getting ready to play the New York Yankees in the Bronx, the AL East leaders right now. They have 44 wins and just 16 losses. They have been the best baseball team on the planet so far in 2022. And I'm a little nervous going into this series, Danny, but should I be or should I just treat it as another three-game set?
1: I would just treat it as another three-game set. You, it's the middle of the year. You can't really put too much stock into what's happening in the division. And the Yankees have already basically run away with the division. They have 16 losses on the entire season. Like, this is just a good roster playing out of its mind, honestly, with the Yankees. And they're nine games up on the Rays and also the Blue Jays. Um, Twelve and a half games up on the Red Sox. Yeah, I have it up in front of me. Um, that's ridiculous, but also good news. There's three wild
0: card spots this year and you're guaranteed at least two games. If you get one, not just one.
1: Yeah. So if I, if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm not freaking out about the Yankees, you know, the Yankees, this is, this is not your first rodeo. I mean, for the non-prospect category, right? (laughs) Um, you know, Aaron judge is the best player in baseball right now. Maybe I Don't feel too weird saying that. I mean, he's playing a solid center field, and he's maybe the most valuable player overall, depending on which website you look at. I haven't looked at it today on the leaderboard. Um, He's certainly hitting like the best hitter in baseball. If you watch any of the Yankees games, I am by no means a Yankees fan by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Aaron Judge is just very good. And he's surrounded by decent players. I don't know if anyone could have thought that Anthony Rizzo was going to be really stinking good. Maybe Anthony Rizzo thought he was going to be really good. That's why he took the deal he did. Um, It's just a decent Yankees offense. Stanton judge. And then you also have Rizzo. That's the heart of the order. And then Matt Carpenter, for some reason, is playing super hot. And so the Yankees have been playing the hot hand, the rotation, is uh astonishingly good and that's where most of the value lies and rotations can fall apart so you get an injury to one of them you know one of them starts to underperform i maybe they start falling back i don't know
0: Uh, well even in their years where they've underperformed like they've still hit the crap out of the ball right and they've still had garrett cole the last couple seasons Sure. But what I've said, what has separated more so than the Rays just being great, uh, the Rays and the Yankees in the last, you know, 2020, 2021 has been things like defense. And the Yankees get rid of Gary Sanchez and they bring in Jose Trevino and um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa and a couple other Kyle is getting more play. And yes, mm-hmm. according to fan graphs, like framing grade, uh, they have the best framers in the big leagues this year. And they are second in defensive runs saved. And now they are running away with the division in a similar way. Well, they're, they're, they're doing better than the Rays have in the last couple of years, but they're running away with the division in the same way that the Rays have. Um, obviously, their starting rotation has been incredibly healthy. You've got a lineup that, for the most part, has been healthy. I know Stanton spent some time on the IL and uh, Aaron Judge playing um, like you would expect someone to play who's getting ready to hit free agency for the first time in their career. And it's just all clicking. And this is kind of the what I think Yankees fans and probably most baseball fans expected from this roster when it really kind of like took shape um a few years ago especially when they go in and they add uh you know a Garrett Cole amongst other names uh, and this year they improved the defense they improved the base running uh, the rotation is healthy and that's why that well that's why they're they're in first place will they continue this this pace no uh, i mean history tells you that nobody can continue this pace uh, but they look like a 100 plus win team they look like the best team in the American League and nine games just feels insurmountable at this point for the Tampa Bay Rays
1: yeah you can't go in there and think about the division it's that simple but i if you if you're asking to do the rays need to worry about anything yeah it's because you're going into yankee stadium this yankees team is apparently perfectly built for yankee stadium because their home record is 26 and 7 they're a very very good team at home but they're also just a very good team generally they have 127 runs in their favor in the differential column 127 the only team over 100 is the dodgers Yeah. after that the next closest team in all of baseball is the mets with a plus 66 run differential on the season the yankees and dodgers are far and away the best two teams in baseball the yankees are playing out of their mind they i think have well how many losses do they have in the last 10 games one yeah, like right. the Yankees are also riding a hot streak. Uh, it's that's what they've been it's, doing since opening day. But <laughs> I know it's hard to it's hard to pick out any of their losses when you look at their schedule. It's just a very good Yankees team. You're walking into a buzzsaw. You need to survive. Get if you win one out of the three, you have. I mean, you did well as far as I'm concerned.
0: And there, is there also like an aspect of like you remember like 2017, 2018 when the Rays were in this? rebuild, transition, whatever you want to call it, to get to where they are now. Yankee Stadium was kind of a house of horrors, and the Yankees were kind of, you know, just beat up on the Rays. Fast forward, 2019, 2020, 2021, the Rays have found out a lot of success against the Yankees, and now... The Rays are, have taken a, a slight step back, I think, in terms of their performance. The Yankees have taken a huge step forward. I could see the Yankees, they already had a four-game set at the Trop. I could see the Yankees really hungry to pick up some some big wins in front of their home crowd against the Rays this week. And they'll get to play again at the Trop again a week from, from now.
1: Again, outside the heart of the order, I think they're, they're overperforming in the rotation. So if the rotation can keep this up, God bless them. You have one of the best historical teams that we've seen in a, in a while. Like <laughs> the only thing that compares in my mind is the 2020 Dodgers. If You keep this up. Yeah, but I don't think this is the 2020 Dodgers. This is not all starts from top to bottom. So I think the Yankees are overperforming. It's likely that they come back down to earth. It's most likely, in my opinion, that they come back down to earth in the starting rotation. So let's see if that moment is now. You don't know until you play the games.
0: I, I am really happy Shane Boz's second start is not in New York. It is instead in Baltimore. Baltimore, one
1: of, one of the few teams that
0: have given the Yankees fits this year. That's true. I mean, that's been true for for the last couple of years. They've struggled to, to take care of business against the Orioles. Um, but instead, like you mentioned earlier, game one, Corey Kluber versus Garrett Cole. Game two, Shane McClanahan versus Nestor Cortez. That's the one I'd really like to win. And then game three, Drew Rasmussen and Luis Severino. Yeah, I think you don't want to get swept. It's been like over, I think, a full calendar year since the last time the Rays were swept. Uh, I think there's a good opportunity to take at least one. But hey, Wednesday afternoon, getaway game, who knows? Actually, I think they are playing at night on Wednesday as well. Um, but, you know, last game of the series, maybe you win game two and you take a close rubber match with Drew Rasmussen and a rested bullpen on Wednesday. so...
1: I mean, between the three, the Rays are not afraid of Garrett Cole.
0: No. G. Choi is not, even though I think he struggled against him when they faced off earlier this season. Shh. So we'll get G. Choi back uh, here in this Yankee series against Garrett Cole. Uh, let's let's talk about the bullpen. Uh, we've gone quite a while in this episode without mentioning Andrew Kittredge, who is, I'm, I'm sure has now already undergone Tommy John surgery. He will miss the remainder of this season and probably a good chunk of next season as well. Uh, It was something he's probably been trying to avoid for the last few years. At one point, he had an elbow injury and uh, opted to not get surgery. Uh, This time, it seemed like there was probably no other option. Uh, How much will he be missed in this Rays bullpen?
1: I mean, extraordinarily. The Rays, do you want to lose your all-star closer is a very good question, and the answer is always no. So um, now I I say the All-Star thing kind of tongue-in-cheek, but also he has one of my favorite All-Star stories of, of recent memory. The Rainforest Cafe? was He was sitting in the Rainforest Cafe outside of Animal Kingdom, and Kevin Cash called him, and he thought he was getting traded. <laughs> and he answers the phone, and he said, I need you to come to the All-Star game
0: right now. <laughs> That's one of the funniest stories. I was at that rainforest cafe about a month after the all-star game. And I just had to like, kind of, you know, take it all in and say, this is where Andrew Kittredge was sitting when he got the news that he was going to the all-star game
1: right next to the animatronic gorilla, for sure. Oh, That's Um, my favorite one. Or maybe he was on the bench outside, or maybe he was still by the hostess stand with a giant fish tank. Um, (laughs) I, any, any Florida native knows this rainforest cafe. It's brilliant. It's such a good story. It's it feels so Florida, right? Um, so I appreciate that so much. Um, Kittredge, I mean, in my mind, a gray beard journeyman, and I wish him the best. Um, it has to be hard to recover from Tommy John, uh, when you're in your thirties, you know, Kittredge and I are a, of similar age and, uh, I feel old <laughs> and I'm not a professional athlete. So, um, you know, I don't wish a year and a half recovery on him and I feel terrible about it. Um, I also feel terrible for the Rays because your other would be closer is JP fire horizon. And he has a shoulder impingement JP fire who probably was all-star game bound in my opinion, if yeah, you want to agree. pick another all-star out of the roster. So that hurts. And uh, I don't know if he's going to be back or, or get a nomination. Um
0: I mean, look how good the Rays injured list bullpen is. Chris Mazza, sure. Andrew Kittredge, JP Feireisen. Wait, excuse Pete me. Pete Fairbanks.
1: Did you really start your check out this list of good players? I was I was going to work my way Maza? up. With Chris Mazza.
0: I was working my way up. Anyways, Pete Fairbanks, JT Chargoy, and Nick Anderson, who is still with the Rays, if you didn't know. Yeah. And he's throwing, apparently
1: good for nick anderson if he ever throws competitive innings again in his life it'll be great
0: so the bullpen i i don't know i am i wrong to still be like man yeah this this bullpen is still really good i mean it's kind of weird who <sighs> jason adam colin poche
1: those are your guys right now. matt, matt Whistler has been playing well right now okay. um so you signed brooks riley to a big contract big for the Rays. Uh, a big contract and he's a big contract for
0: a reliever two years, 10 million.
1: Yeah. Uh, He's been solid. Very rarely do the race pay for reliever. Um, Jason Adam is probably the best pitcher in the bullpen right now. The guy we skipped on the, uh, the, the Peter Bendix pod when we went like player by player through the acquisitions. And then, uh, we mentioned Jason Adam at the end, like he was Matt Damon getting ready to come on to the, uh, um, the what's the jimmy kimmel live <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now he's the best pitcher in the in the bullpen good job jason adam uh and colin poche who had to recover from tommy john it's a weird bullpen man beaks is throwing meaningful innings ryan thompson may or may not be okay anymore and then you have Colin Foch, Colin Foch, excuse me, Calvin Foch, Luke Bard, and Sean Armstrong. Is that the
0: rest
1: of the, the right now? Yay. Um, I did, I did my homework. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how much do any of us trust those guys right now? It's, it's a tough go. I think, I think to my mind, Sean Armstrong and Luke Bard have been fine. And Ryan Thompson and Calvin Foch have struggled. And I don't know if that's a, a going concern or if they will put it back together. Jalen Beeks has oscillated in my mind.
0: Matt Whistler. Jalen Beeks is weird. And I mentioned it because for the first time this season over the weekend, he pitched on back-to-back days. And he was almost on like a, a starter schedule. Like he was getting four days rest sure. almost every, after every time he pitched. And he's not pitching more than two innings at the most.
1: If I remember, his Saturday outing was super quick, though.
0: Yeah, he threw 15 pitches on Saturday, and 19 on Sunday. Okay. Uh, but, like, that's the first time, like, he's been used back-to-back. He's not even used, like, twice in three days, and he's been on the roster the entire season. Um, he's been good, but it's like, wow, to use a roster spot on this guy when you're not even going to pitch him that much, that is that's bold. So, I mean, that that's fair. I honestly would assume that
1: that's just we called down to the bullpen and said who feels fresh, and – they're like, oh, Jalen says he's pretty good today. You could probably go. Okay, well, maybe we use him. Like, that's probably just what happened. He probably, yeah. probably felt fine.
0: And we're at the point of the season where, like, these guys have been ramped up. And I knew, the, you know, the plan is going to be different for each pitcher, right? Each pitcher, especially a guy like Jalen Beaks, who's had Tommy John surgery. You have the you truncated spring training for the, like, third straight year, it feels like. And, uh, you know, everybody's ramp up is going to be different. So maybe we see more. I mean, the Rays have opinions. so many
1: relievers right now. There's so many relievers that they're pitching every like three days. Right. Yeah. Uh, I looked up Colin Pochet before this. He threw 14 pitches on Tuesday and then did not appear again until Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a starters rotation. Yeah. So it's it's just a lot of arms they have sitting down there and they're trying to keep everybody fresh
0: do you think if the Rays make a trade and we haven't really seen any trades this season, but we're getting into the summer months. I know. So if you were going to say, Hey, let's do
1: a trade, which part of the Rays roster would you add to?
0: It kind of feels like the bullpen. I mean, it's it's always the the place you would want to add. You always just want to add. But you know, you look at like some teams that have already fallen out. Maybe, I don't know, Gregory Soto with Detroit. Will Vest with Detroit. These are interesting relievers. Uh, with good fastballs, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 like the Tigers seem to be way out of it. I don't have very strong
1: opinions <laughs> about uh, who should be available for trade, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I'm just spitballing. Yeah. Um, I mean, give me a second to think about it. I actually did not. You've asked me multiple questions about like the rest of the league that's not the race i have not been ready for these questions so danny it's not
0: like you have a full-time job and you're a father and married no no i i mean yes running a softball team
1: oh oh, yes exactly no i I mean if you had to guess okay teams that are out of it i would assume detroit's out of it enough that they would trade Gregory Soto. sure i think the closer in colorado is daniel bard uh hey (laughs) add another bard So you could get Luke Bard and Daniel Bard on the same roster. That would be really funny. they brothers. I have assumed they are brothers from the jump. So you Google that while I think about the rest of the baseball landscape. Um, The Angels are an abomination. So their closer is uh, Iglesias. One of like the five Iglesias on their roster. So give me that. Uh, Let's see who else is out there. Uh, the closer in Arizona is Mark Melanson. I'm going to, I with doing zero research, assume that the Diamondbacks are out of it. And we'd be willing to trade their uh, closer. Um, gosh, who else? They are brothers. Sweet. Uh, it's, is Pittsburgh in it? I don't know. I'm pretty sure their closer is a guy named David Bednar.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been great. But they're also like a rebuilding team. Like maybe they still think like they can hold on to a guy. He's got a lot of control left, uh, and they're like, they're they're a third, but they're still ten games under five hundred. <laughs> sure. In that in that terrible terrible division. Any chance Baltimore wants to trade Jorge Lopez? Or uh, what's the other guy that uh, Brian really loves, Felix Bautista? It's, oh, it's sure. Like he's the the nerd's choice right now. I mean, Jorge, Jorge Lopez is old though.
1: So yeah. I feel like you could prime him away. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'll take any
1: of these guys. Just give me, guys. wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me look him up. I, cause I was looking at his career earlier and I was like, what the heck? Um,
0: he's on my fantasy team and that doesn't mean anything, but and nobody. Yeah. Cares. Yeah. So
1: he was a starter last year and had a six Oh seven ERA. He switched to the, he switched to the bullpen and he has a 0.93 ERA. Not to use ERA to tell the whole story, but it helps that he's allowed no home runs. <laughs> I've been
0: saying it's an opening weekend. This Baltimore bullpen is like, you know, it's, I wouldn't say good, but it goes, he makes you go, hmm, like that, they, yeah, huh? Some of these guys, I kind of like these guys. It's a decent bullpen. Let's give him a call. Okay,
1: um, yeah, David Bennar is younger than I thought he was. He's only twenty-seven. And decent.
0: And Jorge Lopez is only twenty nine. He's only twenty nine.
1: Look, so there's options out there. There's options, in the you know who else could uh, be a great grab? Old friend David Robertson, come on down, David Robertson.
0: I I was going to mention that, yeah, because the Cubs are struggling, and I think uh, again, I mean, bullpen's fine, but you can replace the the Sean Armstrongs of the world and, and improve, and maybe impo- improve upon the improve upon the Ryan Thompsons of the world. I don't know. Sure. Uh, just, just a thought. Overall, though, I'm not panicking about the but I'm not panicking about anything on this team. Um, I'm a li- I have concerns, um, and I think there are things that need to be addressed. But uh, we'll talk about those, those things, and I'll, and I'll raise my voice after one more quick break. And we're back on Raise Your Voice, and I want to spend a couple minutes talking about uh, prospects who maybe have not lived up to expectations yet this year, uh, specifically Josh Lowe, Taylor Walls and Vidal Bruhan. Ooh, this is spicy.
1: You're raising your voice about the prospects. Okay.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I guess I'm going to take a, a page out of your playbook and talk about how the transition year might not be working. Uh, you saw the Rays jettison former All-Stars Austin Meadows and Joey Wendell this offseason and carve out larger roles for these young up-and-comers because you can't keep them in AAA forever. They've done great in the minors. Uh, but in the big leagues for all three of them, it hasn't really been a great start. Josh Lowe's already back in AAA. He started off the year with a 38% strikeout rate and a mm. 257 on-base percentage. Um, even if you play pretty good defense, that's just not going to cut it. And then Vidal Bruhan and Taylor Walls, who were already playing more this year before the injuries to Wander Franco and Brandon Lau, have now become everyday players. Taylor Walls mm-hmm. has a 54 WRT+. Fadal Brahan, a 30 WRC plus combined, they've been worth negative 1.3 wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. And again, it's still very early for them in their big league careers. But I I'm very worried. Uh, Austin Meadows has been eh for Detroit and he's hurt. Joey Wendell is also hurt, but was doing Joey Wendell things in Miami before the injury a couple of weeks ago. A 119 WRC plus above average defense. What we were kind of coming to expect for Joey Wendell and a guy that given the areas that, in which this team has struggled this year, I would have very much have liked to have him on this roster. But there continue to roll out guys like Taylor Walls and Vidal Bruhan, And again, these guys had to come up, but this feels like a gamble that has not paid off for the Rays for an office this year. So question number
1: one. Well, actually, so I do want to carve out um, the the injuries to Meadows and Wendell are an interesting side point. It reminds me of when folks online would bring up uh, Evan Longoria having plantar fasciitis or maybe straining a yeah. shoulder and, and then pointing a finger and saying, ha ha, see, he's hurt for the Giants. Well, you can't predict an injury and maybe they do or do not get a similar injury if they are a race player. It's, it's silly to it's kind trans. of play that yeah. what if game. It's all a chance, so I kind of want to carve that out a little bit. Um, you know, having Joey Wendell and whether or not is a very interesting question. As for the prospects, though, um, what what more do you expect from the Rays at this point? When the Rays' way is to constantly be in transition. That that's the way the roster has been built. I know I have been the one to criticize it, but. If you keep it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you keep Bruhan in the minors, for instance, or if you keep Josh Lowe in the minors to start the year, everyone's pounding the table and saying, look, the Rays are manipulating these players and keeping high performers down in the minors. Okay, well, then put them in the majors and look, they struggle. Okay. You, you, you can't have your cake and eat it too with that. There has to be some kind of transition. Even Shane Boz fell apart in the third inning and in his first start back in the majors <laughs> again, right? So there, and Shane Boz is amazing. So there's, there's always these growing pains when it comes to stepping in the majors. Not every player can be Wander Franco. Question number two, other than what else would you expect out of a prospect? Question number two, what are the Rays doing wrong? They're in playoff position. Yeah, are are they going to catch the Yankees? Who knows? The Yankees are playing lights out. There's three roster spots of roster spots, uh, uh, playoff berths available. Currently, all three of those in the wild card are occupied by teams in the American League East. The American League sucks generally. The Rays are doing fine. What a, what better time is there to is get that these the expectation now
0: is to be fine after a hundred win season and back to back division titles two years removed from a pennant. Like I think the expectations are raised and I was never a big Austin Meadows fan. I will admit that I've said that on this podcast many times, but the guy was a big league hitter. Joey Wendell was a big league baseball player. Good enough to be a big league regular and good enough to be an all-star last year. Egg on my face for sure. I would like to take the, the proven commodity that is Joey Wendell over and again, the injuries have have forced Walls and Bruhan into more playing time than I think Kevin Cash or anyone in that coaching staff or front office would probably have envisioned for them this season. But they were going to play this year. Taylor Walls was kind of the the direct Joey Wendell replacement. He can play anywhere on the infield. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, he, he, he's kind of that util- infield utility player that can fill in and will play you know two to three times a week. But now he's playing every day. And I know we're coming off a week in which he had a three run walk off home run. You and I, as as Florida State alum, we're we're, we're ecstatic for that. But wait, let the, the record season. show
1: in the D Rays base Slack who is saying believe in Taylor Walls.
0: It was me. I, I, I'm still saying it because I, I I love watching Taylor Walls play. Uh, but but even the defense has been a little. I think I wouldn't even say uncharacteristic because we don't know what Taylor Walls is as a big league defender. Usually that stuff translates from the minors to the majors, but. The defensive numbers haven't been great for him. And I I don't know. I mean, I I think prospects break your heart, right? That's what they do. And when the Rays make a gamble by trading away Joey Wendell and Austin Meadows, and I don't think money had anything to do with it. I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with it. These guys are cheaper than those players. Uh, But so far this year, they're significantly worse than those players. And yes, that's what the Rays do. It's the Rays' way. But it doesn't mean that it's always the right decision. And this year, I I don't think it has been the right, uh, and specifically the Joey Wendell trade. Apparently this Cameron Misner kid is pretty good, but he's not playing on the big leagues right now. And Joey Wendell has been playing really well for for Miami.
1: There is always going to be the opportunity cost of keeping your all-stars and and letting it roll.
0: Um,
1: Perhaps I'm just getting jaded. Perhaps the Evan Longoria trade broke me enough. I think it, and my inability to give up on the Rays has broken me enough that I just accept that this is the way it's supposed to go. It's not the way that it's supposed to go. You develop stars, you keep your stars. It's a very simple equation for the Rays. The stars that they develop are G-Man Choi and Brett Phillips, two players who are platooned by the way. It's like, well, what are we doing? Um, you can't have the Island and Misfit Toys and not be upset that some of the toys are broken. Um, So Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan in the short term are playing an oversized role. Maybe second base is going to be a long-term concern because the injury to Brandon Lau is more dramatic. So, hey, you want to look for something you can acquire at the uh, all-star break? If you don't think Isaac Paredes is available to be an, all the time second baseman if you don't think Vidal Brujan is cutting it maybe you go look for someone who can play one more year at second base who has an expiring contract that can play second base I don't know what's Eric Sogard doing that was a joke <laughs> uh, I I hope he's taking his kids to the beach is Eric Sogard still playing
0: I don't know <laughs> I have no I idea I know <laughs> I don't know. I've raised my voice. I'm frustrated. I'm not giving up on Taylor Walls or Vidal Brujan. It's more so of like, I think, a healthy dose of criticism for the Rays' front office or at least questioning their their gamble this time around.
1: I think it's right to question it every time. It's also hindsight Uh, 2020. Sure. Uh, And in 2022, I think that hindsight is valuable. I think that um, the Rays make a choice not to go for a hundred wins. I think they make a choice to go for 90 on an annual basis and hope for oh, something yeah. a little better. hundred percent. And given that strategy, I think Vidal Bruhan Brujan and Taylor walls are decent backups. Um, who also deserve the opportunities and the reps and the opportunity to adjust. Josh low got that opportunity to adjust. And now he's down in AAA, I think hitting pretty well, at least hitting
0: dingers. Well, for he's always done that, though. And for Josh Lowe, it's like, okay, he has got some power. He can play good defense, but he's going to strike out a ton. And he did so at every level he played in. And that issue had just be- become exacerbated at the big league level. Like, he looked overmatched. So, then you can think, okay, maybe he doesn't translate to the big leagues. Now, most prospects don't work out. That's just the nature of the game. Uh, but Taylor Walls and Vidal Brujan, I think maybe you could think, okay, these are just growing pains. Even Vidal Bruhan. Just, I hate saying this term, but the eye test looks like he's playing pretty good baseball and maybe things aren't falling for him. And maybe, you know, he, he can work through some of these things with this extended playing time. And maybe we'll look at the struggles that they've had these last couple months, three years from now, when they're everyday big leaguers and go into all star games and think, wow, they really were able to develop their craft those couple months that Wander Franco and Brandon Lauer are out. Who knows? Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I hope so. Joshua has a 132 WRC plus in triple a whoop-de-doo. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, look how valuable that is. Right. <laughs> um, the, the rays are doing in the Rays way. They are in playoff position. It's hard to fault them yet. Let the yeah. kids play. Let the kids play. I, I agree.
0: You've talked me off the
1: ledge. I appreciate that. Well, if I had to raise my voice about anything, um, it has been pointed out to me, uh, multiple times by people on on twitter um in the slack and uh in my personal life that uh d-rays bay itself has kind of ignored a pretty big controversy that happened to the tampa bay rays recently um in this month it was not intentional by any way shape or form um i think that um we have to tread lightly and give the spotlight and the voice to people who are impacted or are affected when, um, big drama comes up. Um, and I don't think we've found the right opportunity and the right inroads to give, um, people the appropriate voice, but because it's been so long, uh, I needed to raise my voice about the, um, annual pride celebration that the Rays were a part of. Uh, I will give my perspective as a heterosexual white male um, who is very rarely experienced hardship in my life. And I, I understand and I respect that. Um, and I hope to give a, a better voice to someone else down the road to speak about this maybe more eloquently and more accurately than I can. Um, I think the annual pride celebration that the Rays do matters a ton particularly in light of the Orlando controversy, which just had its anniversary. Kevin Cash spoke very eloquently about how the Rays organization, the players, the coaches remember the victims and their families. The Rays tweeted every victim's name this weekend from that Orlando tragedy. Um, Because of that, I think Pride took on a different meaning for the Tampa Bay Rays um, because of that hate crime and uh, the support that the Rays organization was able to give Uh, I also know that there's plenty of individuals who work for the Rays who um, take a lot of pride in the Pride celebration that happens. Um, It matters to the Rays and it matters to the organization. This year, they were one of, and the fans, it does matter to the fans. Uh, This year, one of three teams to put Pride logos on the jersey. And the controversy this year was that um, multiple players, less than 10, but some of the players ripped that patch off the jersey and refused to wear it. Um, five of the relievers that did this got together and formed a, a small union, if you will a caucus uh, of sorts. Uh, a caucus and elected one of the raised pitchers to speak on their behalf. I don't think that went well for them. Um, Afterwards, one of those pitchers was uh, Ryan Thompson, and he added more comments and he felt the need to speak up. Um, and I thought it was interesting because he said the race players were completely unified after the pride protest. And um, I actually have the quote for me. He said, the entire organization from top to bottom is completely unified in both our love for the LGBTQ community and also respect for each other's opinions, views, and values. Our clubhouse is a microcosm of society coming from many different backda- backgrounds, faiths, walks of life, etc. And whereas society and cancel culture attempt to silence those who don't think alike, the raise as a whole respect and value the differences that make us who we are as individuals. Um, Matt Silverman, president of the Rays, separately had some comments, and he said, and I quote, I'm proud of the fact we did this, and so many of our players chose to wear the logo. I'm also proud of the conversations we had during the run-up to this night and in the aftermath. Um, all of those comments are gross. And in particular, Matt Silverman's choice to use the word proud to talk about a controversy over a Pride night is uh, exceptionally gross. Um, those conversations were a failure because the purpose of pride as a concept is to say that these individuals who historically speaking and internationally speaking would be marginalized and potentially harassed for being just who they are and the lives that they've chosen to live, but in America, it's a free country. And so we say, this is a safe space, this is a welcoming space, and you are welcome to be a fan of our team and you are not going to be harassed in this space. That's all pride is from top to bottom. Based on the comments from Jason Adam, who was the uh, nominee to speak on behalf of that caucus of relievers, um, they seem to convey that they thought wearing a, a rainbow logo, on their uniforms for one day out of their entire lives was them co-signing on the sexual preferences of other people. And they felt like that was a, um, a difficult decision for them because of their personal face. I f- struggle with this as a Christian, as someone who considers myself a follower of Christ, who, is a follower of Jesus. I <laughs> I struggle deeply with hiding behind Jesus as a way to come across hateful to other people who are marginalized and to say that those people are not welcome in the space that uh, of my employer. I find it difficult to say that you are living by a Christian value in any way, shape or form. Um, I think Jason Adam called it a hard decision and I bet it was. But for Matt Silverman to say that he is proud, quote unquote, of the conversations that led to individuals to hide behind Jesus, to convey what would be knowingly um, interpreted as hate is an embarrassment to the Tampa Bay Rays, It's an embarrassment to the progressive values that they claim to pursue, as my outside perspective as a heterosexual white male who is a Christ follower. Um, And I can only imagine the pain and uh, embarrassment this caused to Tampa Bay Rays fans and employees for whom pride means a great deal. Um, This is just my perspective. This is me raising my voice. Um, I hope that I'm able to find the right opportunity as the EIC of D-Rays Bay to um, find The best avenue to talk about this further the moment has kind of also passed and that hurts me a little bit Um, i feel like we as a site have missed an opportunity and maybe disappointed some people about that and if you are one of those people who are disappointed please um forgive me um, for not working harder to find those opportunities and um, this is my perspective as the the site runner this is my perspective as a race fan this is my perspective as a christian um, it is me raising my voice in particular, and is not a reflection of anyone else on the site. Um, but I, I felt a need to say something because too much time had passed.
0: Yeah, Um, I also would refer anyone to the article from from Outsports. dot com that we had shared on our our front page, and it's you can still find it if you scroll a little bit down. Um, um, Sid Ziegler, I thought, um, kind of articulated a lot of these thoughts really well. Uh, it's a great site. Um, yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway from well, one of the bigger takeaways for for me from what happened is it took away all of the, the focus on the the pride celebration away from, from those for who it really mattered for um, and made it about these individuals. And uh, I, I think the, the Rays as an organization could have done better in how they handled it. Um, I, I also, I, I do wonder if it, it, did 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 no one foresee this? I think it, it it's the players that that have these views exist in Major League Baseball, um, and in the Rays as an organization. I don't know if they did everything to not prevent these guys from showing their true colors, but from it controlling the narrative. From, of, of what was, has otherwise always been a, a, a night of celebration and a night of pride. Um, they've done it for 16 years. Um, I remember being there um, in 2016 for Pride Night shortly after the Orlando shooting. Um, it was a sold-out crowd, um, a very emotional night, um, and it, it, it's something that has only continued, I think, to, to grow in importance for the race and for the LGBTQ community. So I think... Just disappointed with how uh, it 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 has it kind of ruined Pride Night, and I hope this was international news. Yeah, and I hope it's something that never happens again. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't is you know the 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 Rays decided to let players opt out. I I think, or they just did it on their own. It sure sounds so. The narrative is
1: they allowed players to opt out. It would not surprise me if they thought everyone would just kind of align.
0: Here's a little naive. Here's what bothers
1: me. Here's what bothers me. If you don't have complete buy-in, don't do it. Yeah. And I mean, even like if it's game time, if you don't have a complete Mm buy-in, don't do it. I, to show this separated clubhouse and the separation of perspectives means that, A, you fundamentally don't understand what pride is as a concept. But then, B, this microcosm of it. What was the what was the Ryan Thompson quote? I'm gonna scroll back up on my screen. To our clubhouse is a microcosm of society, coming from many different backgrounds, faiths, walks of life, etc. Oh, the Dodgers aren't. <laughs> the Giants San aren't?
0: Giants, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. The your your international players who are on the Rays roster are not a having different perspectives on this matter like the the way that the lgbtq plus community is interpreted internationally is a very interesting topic to dive into you're telling me that no other race player on the roster might have i i don't know i don't have something eloquent to say here um cuz i i kind of feel like i'm just getting heated instead it's just i don't believe it yeah i i don't buy into the narrative of our clubhouse as a microcosm of society with different backgrounds, faiths, and walks of life. And among those different backgrounds, faiths, and walks of life, exactly uh, a few of us who happened to be able to hide behind conservative Christianity um, were the only ones who couldn't participate in Pride Night is a, a very weird and deeply strange look. Uh, and at, at the heart of it, a misinterpretation of what Pride is supposed to
0: represent. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that's, that's very well put. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that we addressed it. Uh, you know, it's probably something like Danny said, we, we should have addressed earlier. Um, I won't even say better late than never, but I'm, I'm glad we did talk about it. Um, and it's something I think, I think ongoing conversations about, uh, you know, the the way the Rays have an impact on, on things other than the baseball field. And um, there were some other political stuff. Uh, not that this is political, but there was other, um, political goings-on that were in- involving the Rays. And there are going to be moments that we need to talk about it. And I think this is one of those moments. And, Danny, I'm, I'm glad that you did. And thank you for coming on to to Raise Your Voice.
1: Thanks for having me, Brett.
0: Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. If you like what we're doing on the d race Bay Podcast Network, Make sure to follow or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If your platform allows it, leaving a rating and a review is the best way to spread what we do to more and more Rays fans. As always, make sure to head on over to draysbay.com to check out all of the great Rays coverage. Once again, thank you guys for listening and I'll talk to you next week. (laughs)